there. Welcome to the Clyde Podcast. This is Willow Weston, and I'm excited to hang out with you today. I just had a fabulous conversation with Rachel Adams. She's a writer, a podcast host, and a mother. She just came out with a book called A Little Goes a Long Way, and I absolutely love this conversation with her. She brings up uh, in her own life, but also um, in so many other women's lives that she see. And I would, I would agree with her that so many of us are struggling with feeling insignificant, feeling like our contribution is too small, that our life is too ordinary. And so her and I have a conversation about this topic. And if that resonates with you, I say press play, friend, and listen to this interview. But before you do, I want to remind you as you're listening that if you feel like you have a friend out there who maybe needs this word of encouragement. It's a really simple act, but go ahead and share this podcast with her. It's a simple press a button, press send, share it with her, and she can feel encouraged in her day too. We um, absolutely love that you feel like you can take our resources that we've created for you and share them with your sisters and your mothers and your aunts and your grandmas and your daughters. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you want more resources in this podcast, make sure that you go visit our website, wecollide.net. You can hear about our conferences, our online courses, our myriad of of freebies that we have for you. There's so many things on there. So just go hang out and check it out. Just just almost come into our living room and hang out, walk around and make yourself at home on there. In the meantime, check out this interview. Rachel, you are described as a writer, a podcast host, and a mother who aims to help women realize that they have a God-given purpose and significance. And so I just wanted to jump out of the gate and ask you, did you ever have a season or time in your life where you lacked a feeling of significance? Today. No, I mean, honestly, Willow, and I say that, I say that all joking aside, this is an ongoing daily struggle for me that I feel like that I'm still on a journey on. It's a book that I, that I wrote, but it's a journey that I still am living out with the Lord. And I feel like it's something that we are all walking through. You know, we want Mm -hmm. our lives to count. We want, um, we want to have value. And and I think that our society is just telling us that like bigger is better. And then we look at our lives and we're like, okay, but what am I doing, Lord? And so I think that there's, that's where this tension is. And that's where I was about two years ago. I was just, you know, kind of laying, laying down at night, kind of going through the tick list of what I had accomplished that day for the Lord, you know, Lord, okay, I I made beds, I did some laundry, I cooked some meals, I had some conversations with some people in my life, um, you know, like answered some emails and and made some phone calls and went to the post office. And, you know, so I'm like, Lord, did any of this matter? 
And so this was kind of this conversation I was having with the Lord. And uh, so I went to His Word the very next day. And the more I read through the Scriptures, the more I realized that a significant life is actually much simpler and actually maybe smaller than we think. Mm, And I so want to talk to you about this because I think so many women even listening to you say that at the end of your day, you laid there with your tick list of everything that you had done and things felt very ordinary, very small, very simple. It's so easy to kind of feel like, man, you know, you look around at other women and think they seem like they're living these really significant callings and I fill in the blank, made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, did some carpool, what, whatever it is for a woman, I think we can resonate. What's really interesting to me about you before we get into some of the things that you're encouraging when it comes to us longing for significance is that a lot of people might feel this way. They might have laid in their bed two years ago, one night and every night after feeling like they weren't accomplishing anything very significant, but they wouldn't necessarily have taken uh, the next step to sort of work that out and invite others to come alongside with them. And you're doing that. Why did you decide to sort of process this, this longing you have publicly in a way where you're inviting other women to come with you? I think everything is done better in community. Um, I have found that I am so encouraged by other women. Number one, I'm encouraged to know that I'm not alone. Like, Mm -hmm. am I the only one that is struggling in this way? And the more I actually polled my podcast listeners, like, do you actually, do you all believe that your contributions matter? And I was stunned in some ways, but not stunned in other ways, because it actually validated my feelings. Like, I'm not the only one that's feeling like my contributions don't matter. Because I actually pulled them and said, like, on a scale of one to 10, with one being the lowest and 10 being the highest, like, how much do you feel like your contributions matter? And the average answer was a three. I mean, that that's how low we we believe that what we are contributing into the world, and this is mostly believers. And so if we believe we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and, and that God has given us these gifts and these talents and these abilities, and He is empowering us to go out into the world, and yet we still don't feel like we have much to offer the world. Like there's there's a dis- there's a disconnect there that I feel like that we really need to address. And so then, as I've asked the, the follow up question, a simple yes or no question: Do you believe you're making a difference? And the seventy three percent said no. And I thought, mm-hmm. golly, here we are again, mostly Christian people. And I think, gosh, we're living in this world. And, and we don't want to waste our lives. So what are we doing? Just going through the motions. And, and, you know, regardless of whether we are doing ordinary mundane tasks repetitively on an everyday basis, which most of us are, we still want to know that that is doing something in the long run. Um, at least I do. And so that again is, Something that I thought, okay, number one, I want to know I'm not alone. But number two, we've got to figure this thing out with the Lord and and help women to realize num- you are significant apart from what you do. And then number two, everything that you do does matter. The work that you are doing, it does matter. The big and the small, God is going to use it all. 
So you talk a lot. In fact, a few minutes ago, you talked about how we live in a culture where bigger is seen as better. Talk to us a little bit more about what you mean. I think that society, social media, I think has played a really big role in this. TV, commercials, marketing, um, you know, if if you if you would ask anybody, um, most people, I shouldn't say anybody, most people, if you would quantify your results of how something that is successful, say a podcast, well, how many listens do you get? You know, what's your listenership? Or how many book sales did you have? Or if you had a conference, how many people attended? Or if you have a Bible study, how many people were in attendance? Or if you have a church service, how many people attend your church? It's always quantifiable. The bigger the number, the better it seems. Well, you know, if I actually, when you look at Jesus's life, is that really how Jesus quantified anything? I mean, he had, he had 33 years of ministry, but I, when I look at the way that he, yes, he spoke to really big crowds, but he also came back to 12 disciples. Um, he also spoke to one woman beside the well. And so I don't know that he always looked at bigger as better. He looked at the, 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 maybe not the, the quantity of people, but the quality of the interaction. And so I would just challenge us to look at what is the quality of the interactions that we are having, uh, the quality of the work that we are doing, not necessarily the quantity of the numbers that we are tempted to look at today. Mm -hmm. As you're talking, it makes me think of the parable of the talents. And it seemed like the that Jesus was looking for faithfulness, right? Like he was just looking. It wasn't about how much more talent you brought to the table. It was about your faithfulness to what you'd been given. And we've all been given something. I love that you talked about two things. One is um, you're significant in and of yourself apart from anything that you do. I think that's so true. I'm like triple amening that. How does a woman begin to believe that though who doesn't believe that? Because so much of what we've been invited to has everything to do with our title or what we do or our career or our status or whatever. Yeah. I mean, Willow, when we first started this conversation, I mean, again, this is something I'm still uh, struggling with. And, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to demonize doing big things for the Lord because we serve a big, mighty, miraculous God. I just don't want us to discount the small ways that He is also working in our lives. And so, God really um, had a surgery about a year ago, and um, I was bedridden for six weeks. Mm. And I wasn't able to go to the grocery. I wasn't able to cook meals. I wasn't able to lift the—I wasn't able to lift anything that weighed more than a jug of—or like a gallon of milk. And so mm-hmm. all of the things that I usually, you know, were on my to-do list, especially as, as kind of a, a go-getter girl, somebody that loves to accomplish things— loves to um, mark things off of my to-do list and usually finds my value in those things, I really, really struggled with my significance. Again, after writing this book. <laughs> and so um, so this is something that um, the Lord is still working on me with. And I, I started to, again, think about, okay, I think about my children. Before they were even in my, or when they were in my womb, I loved them. They hadn't done anything. When I first held them in my arms, 
They haven't done anything, and I loved them. And so I, I think that the Lord looks at us as His children the exact same way. He doesn't need us to accomplish anything for Him. He simply loves us because He created us, because we are His children. Now, to your point earlier, He has given us gifts, and He has entrusted us with talents. And so he, you know, we, we don't want to bury those talents and, and live in fear. And we want to be a good steward of what he's given us. But he also doesn't love us anymore because of, um, you know, our striving, our earning. You know, God, mm-hmm. God is also, he died on the cross and he says, it's finished. I've done all that for you. And so I think that that is the, kind of the discrepancy. And that's what we have to kind of settle in our hearts. Like there is value in what we do. We just can't gain our value from what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, and what we do can be an overflow from being confident in our significance, right? Yeah. That we know we're significant. And so everything we do isn't because we have to do it, but because we want to do it, right? Absolutely. I feel like there's such a difference. You talk about finding fulfillment in your life by changing your heart and not your circumstances. And I think that's an interesting thing for us to talk about because so often, so many of us are praying for our circumstances to change. And I'm curious how you came to the realization that it wasn't actually your circumstances, but your heart that needed to be transformed. Yeah, this happens so much, I think, through prayer. You know, I was reading the story of of Hannah um, in, I think it's the first and second Samuel, and how she goes to the Lord, and she's barren, and she is just weeping because she's beside herself just in in sorrow and grief. And she goes and she prays, and um, she gets up from her prayer, and then she goes and she worships, and she's still barren. And I think about that in in our prayer lives. And I was actually just having a conversation with my daughter um, just recently. And she said, you know, when I pray, I feel better. And I said, but you know what the, the reality is, is our circumstance is usually the exact same. Not always, but it's just when we commune with God, it gives mm-hmm. us such peace. It gives us such hope. It gives us such joy. It's an it's an inner change of our heart that, that that changes. You know, often nothing, you know, our home is maybe the same, our finances could be the same, our health could be the exact same, but our perspective and the way we view it is is what has changed. Um, and knowing that God is in control. And I think just shifting our focus to Him and knowing He's a good God and He's in control, then it's like, well, what do I actually have to worry about um, then. And so I think that's what I mean when I say my heart can change even when my circumstances don't. And that just comes from communica- communicating and communing with the Lord. So you were in this season a couple of years ago where you were feeling insignificant. You were looking around at other women who felt the same, and you decided to write this book, A Little Goes a Long Way. How did you become convinced that truly a little does go a long way? Through Scripture. Um, I, I looked at the lives of the people in the Bible, and really, if you look at every single person in Scripture, they were ordinary people. They were shepherds and fishermen. And, you know, you think about the, the mother of Jesus. She was a young, ordinary girl and was birthed the Savior of the world, you know? She gave a simple yes. And um, and then I even look at Jesus, like, you know, going back to His life. He was born in the tiny town of Bethlehem. 
never traveled outside a 100-mile radius. He attended weddings and funerals. He was a carpenter with his earthly father, Joseph. He washed um, feet. He held children. Um, he shared meals. He, I, you know, I just, I just look at like the rhythm of his life. And I think we do many of those same things. You know, we may not think that we're doing anything grand. And yes, he were, he did many miracles too, many that weren't even recorded in the Bible. And so I don't want to undermine his life, but I also think like many of the things he did were pretty ordinary too. He was mm-hmm. present with people. He had conversations. He prayed with people. You know, we can do all of those things too. We can share meals and go to weddings and funerals and pray with people and hold, hold children too. Um, and so I, that's when I look at those those stories and the people that God used, the disciples, I mean, gosh, they were they were so ordinary. And I'm so thankful that that's who He chose because it gives us so much hope, hope that He can choose us and use us as well. Mm-hmm. It feels like sometimes we're just chasing the extraordinary. Like we're just running so hard to experience like something big, something magical, something sort of other than. And this idea that you sort of look at the life of Jesus who lived the most significant life possible and you describe him as one who handed water to people, one who um, fed the hangry, one who taught out of a boat, one who showed up to the temple or to a party. Um, It truly was in the ordinary that Jesus showed up and did some of his greatest work. What do you think we can remind ourselves when we're feeling like, man, our lives are just so ordinary? Like, what can we do to remind ourselves in those moments that it's actually in the ordinary that sometimes God shows up and does His greatest work? Yeah. Yeah, I would just say, just start to read the Scriptures and see how, you know, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us when we are believers. And so there is nothing there's nothing ordinary about that. We, We serve an extraordinary God. And so if since that is the truth, we can pray every single day, Lord, help me to see people the way that you do. Help me to be, to sense your presence. Help me to go about my day and to see people the way that you see them. Help me to see the needs. Help me to help meet the needs that are in front of me. Um, you know, because we do encounter people every single day. And I don't know about you, but I, I have needs that in burdens and hurts and pain. And so does every single walking person that we're going to encounter. And so I'm just so um, like a hopeful expectancy that like every single encounter God is going to use like a divine appointment. There is a reason that you're encountering that person, like a little conversation. If you just say hello and, you know, smile and look them in the eye you have no idea what God can do with that conversation and how He's going to use that. Or like a, a prayer, something as simple as a prayer um, that may feel really ordinary or like a little word of encouragement. I know those kind of things, even though they're really small, those things that people maybe have said of, of a prayer or a word of encouragement that people have said to me over a decade ago are still things that I will hold dear now that still keep me going and have me encouraged 10 years later. And so there's nothing small about that. And I believe that people that prayed for me, my grandmother, my parents that prayed for me 
two decades ago, you know, those prayers are still, I think, having impact now. You know, we, we I think, sometimes forget the impact that positive um, actions and behaviors can have for generations to come. Mm. You talked earlier about how we often struggle feeling like our contributions are so small. I know you draw cue from Jesus in Scripture, but I'm curious in all of this um, writing in your book and sharing in your podcast and conversations you're having with other women, have you begun to hear life stories where women are starting to see that their contributions aren't small. And do you have any stories that you would want to share with us? Whether the dream is to build stronger community, write a book, start a nonprofit, tell your story, adopt a child, or take a step toward healing past wounds— Collide's newest Bible study, Go Ahead, will encourage you not to let risk aversion or fear get in the way of an invitation from God. What does an extraordinary life look like for you? What if your biggest dreams can come true? This book is a beautifully designed, colorful 10-part book that centers around Matthew 14, 22 through 36, where Jesus miraculously walked on water toward his disciples in a boat. The events and conversation that follow will challenge and inspire you. So dive in now to be encouraged to say yes to the invitation that awaits. Go Ahead is available now on our website at wecollide.net. women are starting to see that their contributions aren't small. And do you have any stories that you would want to share with us? Oh my gosh, this is this is my favorite part. Um, I'm actually doing a book club right now. Um, and so to get to hear some of the stories, of course, I wrote it from from my perspective. I'm a 40-year-old woman who's a stay-at-home mom in Kentucky. And so that's kind of who I thought it was originally going to resonate with. And what's been really, really beautiful is, is um, retired women have really latched on to this concept because they're no longer raising children. They're no longer working. Um, they're no longer physically able to do what they once were able to do. And so there's this whole section, generation of people that are saying, what What does my life mean now? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? You know, I'm, can, does a letter really matter? Does me going to lunch with a friend really matter? Does me going for a walk with a friend really matter? Does me serving in the kitchen at church really matter? Does me reading my Bible really matter? And so I, I think that there are women that are really questioning and struggling and wrestling with this. And so I'm just thrilled to be able to come alongside them and say and cheerlead them on and say, yes, it absolutely does. And so to answer your question, there's a lady in my Bible study uh, that just told me the story that she lives next to um, a, a gentleman that just got out of a drug rehab uh, facility, and he can't drive. And she um, was just walking outside and said hello, and she ended up offering him a ride to so he could go to work. And so now she has started to—that was all it was, was a hello— and they started having conversations. She offered him a ride to work. So now she gives him a ride to work every single day. And so now she has started to, because they have that time in the car, she then invited him to church. And now he is a believer. 
Um, um, and again, it just started like, I'm going to, I'm going to be neighborly. I'm going to say hello. And then one thing led to another and now he's a believer. And so, um, you just, you never know what God is going to do with, with a simple conversation with the next encounter. And I think so often we're prone to just be busy and kind of stay in our own lane and look down and look at our phones and keep our earbuds in. I know I can be tempted to do that, especially as an introvert. I know it's a little bit harder, but, um, you know, people's salvations are at stake and, and, and you just never know what, what God can do with, with something small. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite interviews on the podcast was years ago, and it was with a woman named Kelly Welk. And um, she went to some sort of dinner where someone was presenting, or maybe it wasn't even a dinner, an event, and someone was presenting um, the story and statistics around sex trafficking, women being sex trafficked in our country and in the world. And she left the experience, and of course, I'm telling all this in my words um, for what I remember. She left the experience, and I think a lot of us would be maybe sad or discouraged or like, oh, that sucks, that's terrible. But she asked God one very simple thing, which is, what can I do? It was just literally, what can I do? And he said, well, you know how to throw a mean party. And so she started throwing these beautiful parties because she m- makes beautiful things and sets beautiful tables and she, you know, is a good cook. And so she started throwing these dinners called freedom dinners and inviting people to come or then they would learn about women being sex trafficked and be asked to help donate. So these dinners started raising money to help free women slaves. And... um I love that story so much because I think sometimes as women, and you talk about this so much that we feel like our contributions are small and we almost start um, with the 10 or 20 years down the road plan. Like for her, now she has an organization, you know, she she has other people throwing freedom dinners, she has a store, she has all of these things, but it doesn't start like that. It starts with the simple, Lord, what can I do? You know, and and I love that so much. I love that when we see Jesus in John 6, and we have a Bible study on this because it's so important for people to know that God, when He fed the 5,000 hungry people, He didn't just wave a magic wand. He used what a little boy had, and He had his lunch. And I think sometimes we need to trust that God's going to use our little lunch. He's going to use our giving someone a ride and and asking them how they're doing and then giving them a ride. That's what, we, what you have. Maybe that woman has time, and she has compassion, and she has a car. You know, so I I love those simple stories because I think we all sort of think we have to uh, be doing these big, grandiose gestures. And really, every day, if we're just looking for opportunities to use what we have, yeah. He will give us those opportunities. He wants our yes. He wants us to be willing and just be obedient and just be open. That's it. Um, and I love, I'm so glad you brought up that story. You know, he, he has, he's gifted, he's gifted every single one of us with, with something. And so, yeah, take, kind of take an inventory. And I think sometimes it's easier, you know, some of us are, see, don't see us necessarily in the light that other people see us. So maybe even ask a friend, how do you see me? What do you think I'm gifted at? 
you know, and, and just like your friend that you mentioned, she was a really great cook and, and a great entertainer. And so maybe a friend can see you in a really beautiful light and can help you see a way that maybe you're gifted in serving. And so maybe that could help you to see how God would want to take your little. But yeah, just be willing, say yes, and be obedient. Yeah, totally. You talk about comparison, and I'm curious if you can give us a perspective on what you see comparison doing to our contribution. Yeah, this goes back to kind of the the bigger is better. You know, you look at each other and you're like, well, God gifted her, gave her way more talents than me, you know, going back to the the parable of the talents. Well, I feel like God gave me one and he gave her five, you know, um, or, or I wish that I could sing and he just made me, you know, I can just cook or you know, whatever it may be. You know, we kind of even compare that. And then I think we can even, well, be tempted to compare what we do now in our season that we're in currently compared to what we used to be able to do in previous seasons. And mm-hmm. so we can even compare ourselves to our previous selves, you know? Um, and so I think we need to just give ourselves some grace um, and, and, and trust that God has us where we are and has given us what He's given us on, on for a reason. Like we are fearfully and wonderfully made and He has crafted us. Like God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake when He created you or whoever, anybody who's listening. Um, and so I think just knowing that, like he knows the hairs on your head and, um, you know, he, he knows and he has a plan for you. Um, and so I think just trusting in that and not comparing, but just celebrating your your friend, celebrating your family, and seeing how you can come alongside them. You know, we're we're the body. We can't always be just everybody can't be the hands, you know. Um, and so I think just saying, how can we all be the body? And then I think that when we are that, then we're going to be so much better together. And then we can really be a team. We can really collaborate, and we can really cheerlead and champion each other on. So yeah, celebrate each other instead of um, compare, because I think the enemy wants to do that. If we continue to be just so defeated and discouraged uh, by looking to the left and to the right at each other, um, and so get so, I don't know, insecure about what we have to offer, then we do nothing at all. And of course, that's what he would want us to do. Um, And so I think stay focused on the Lord. Stay focused on what He has given you to steward and um, and let Him multiply it. I love that you bring out, um, bring up different seasons and how we can compare ourselves to others, but also we can compare ourselves to other seasons that we've experienced. And I think women more than men, I mean, at Collide, we work with women all the time. And we, and I always say this even to my staff, I have staff who have kids, I have staff who don't have kids, um, you know, staff born in different generations. And the life of a woman truly goes through so many different seasons compared to men because um if if child rearing is a part of a woman's season um there can be shifts in career shifts in um where you're focusing your energy where you're investing all those kinds of things even now like i just dropped my baby off of college so i'm shifting into you know i i did the stay at home mom thing for 8 years i did the um you know, career life while juggling mom life for a long time and now empty nesting season. So our seasons change so much. But I think one of the most encouraging things to remember is that in every season we can contribute. 
In every season, we're significant, but in every season, God can use us. Because we've had women, and you're talking about how um, God is even using you with women in maybe like retirement season, to remember a lot of women in certain seasons just sort of bench themselves. They just sort of sit on the bench and go, I'm out of the game because because I'm in college and I can't really contribute or, or do anything significant until after I get my degree, or because I'm just, quote unquote, just fill in the blank, just a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. So therefore, I can't contribute. Maybe when my kids go to school, or I can't contribute because I, you know, broke my ankle, or because we're going through a tough season um, at home, or because I'm... 70 and younger people don't want to hear what I have to say. I've heard that so many times. And it's been so cool to see women who see what they're doing. They see that they're benching themselves and they hear God say, I want to see you get back out in the game and participate. And I can use you to contribute to the world in any season that you're in. And in fact, actually, sometimes it's in the hardest seasons that He can use us most profoundly, right? His power is made perfect in weakness. He wants to confound people with our life. So I love that you're bringing up seasons. And I guess if I was going to ask you to kind of close us out on anything before we find out where we can get your book and all of that, what's your encouragement to the woman listening right now who's in a season where she just benched herself and and decided that now is not a season for her to contribute because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking of my, my husband's grandmother who's in a nursing home. Um, and she actually doesn't even need to be in the nursing home, but she's there because my husband's grandfather needed to be he had alzheimer's and so she just chose to be there with him Mm. and so you know most of her days are spent playing cards and scrabble and puzzles and meals um but there is so much still to be done um and i'm just thinking about um billy graham the well-known evangelist he i read an article by him and he he led thousands of people to the lord and um just really inspired by his life, but he actually said that reflecting on his life, he feels like he would have accomplished so much more if he would have spent more time reading his Bible and more time praying um, and less time on a stage. And so I, I think about that, and I think we can all read our Bible and we can all pray, you know, and those are things that so often that we discount that I think that those are things that we can all do no matter what season that we're in. Um, and so I would just encourage everybody to, um, it's coming to my mind, the, the theme verse of A Little Goes a Long Way is, do not despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And so there is work for you to do. You know, I'm thinking back to also Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship. We talked about that. You, you, God created you. I think, I hope that we, we drove that point home, that He has created you to do good works. And good works is plural. You know, we don't just do good work once. We're continuing to do good work. And that good work is not just there. It, that That is all things. That is vacuuming. That is cooking. That is emails. That is nonprofit. That is desk work. That is mowing the grass. That is um, putting a meal in a crock pot. That is holding a child. That is praying. Like good work is good work. That's hugging a friend. That's sitting with a friend. 
God does not discriminate, I don't believe, on what good work is. Um, when we devote it all to Him, like our work is not anything done for the Lord is not in vain. And so I would just say, continue to listen to His voice, pray, and, and let the Holy Spirit lead you because there is good work for you to do um, in whatever season that you're in. And just don't, do not despise those small beginnings because the Lord rejoices again to see that work begin. So just begin. What's He asking you to begin today? Mm, such a good word, Rachel. Where can people get A Little Goes a Long Way? So it's available anywhere books are sold. Um, I would I would love to um, encourage anybody in this message. I hope that everybody realizes you're you are already significant, and there is important work for you to be to be doing. And I would love to just uh, continue this conversation with everybody. So you can find me. My website's rachelkadams.com, and I'm online at Rachel Adams Author. Awesome! Thank you so much for hanging out, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Friend, I hope that you were encouraged today in that conversation with Rachel that not only are you already significant, but your contribution is not small. In fact, everything that you participate in today matters. Every conversation, every collision every encouraging word, every prayer. I hope you'll be encouraged that you get to wake up each and every day and contribute with what you have. If you need more encouragement around this topic, make sure you check out our Yes You Bible study. That's the one that I mentioned in this episode where Jesus uses what a little boy has to do something amazing. God doesn't need you to go out and get something else. He can use you right where you're at with what you have. So check that out and know this week as you collide with other people that your small contribution matters. Not only does it matter, but it's significant and it's profound. Keep colliding and we'll catch you next week.